Hey, everybody, it's Kat, and I want to welcome you to episode 26 of Backstory Sessions. I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt. Hello, everyone. How are you? So, we are at 26. Yep. It's awesome. We keep rolling right along. We are right in uh, season three, 26 episodes almost behind us, and... um, it would be yeah. nice if it was 26 episodes in season three, but we haven't gotten to that level of, uh, you know, getting these done yet, so. <laughs> well, I mean, it is early in the year, so. Um, Early-ish. I mean, a third of the year is already gone, so. Well, you know. I try to think of positive that we are doing very well. It's the first day of spring, if that means anything. It, it is. It, it does mean something. I don't know what, but... Um... No more snow, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice, right? <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, voices, I'm hearing. <laughs> Sometimes I hear things. So. Yeah. Well, you knew that already. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> so today, uh, we do have an interesting uh, backstory leading into our episode. Um, we obviously are writing plays and uh, have written plays that um, started to be performed <laughs> as COVID kicked in last year. And, uh, you know, so that kind of makes playwriting um, a little bit of a challenge. Um, maybe not the writing so much of it, but um, the performance of it. Um, you know, we some places have attempted different things, Zoom um, being one of the things, Zoom readings and uh, I have seen some theaters with masks actors and social distancing on stage which you know is an attempt to keep theater going but it does look kind of weird I mean you know and everybody like you know I love you but you know they're like so far apart and all of that <laughs> and then I've seen like some um, cubicles that are built and it's sort of like the Brady Bunch um, yeah. windows, you yeah. know, and like everybody's in their little cube and, um, you know, they're like interacting, but they can't really see each other or anything. So, um, you know, some people are trying to do what they have to do. And that's what we've, you know, tried to do with our writing. And um, along that path, uh, we we um, met Christy Conley. And... Um, First, we met her for a, a Zoom reading of your play yeah. um, as actors um, did that for uh, Roots of the Bluegrass. So that was our first encounter. I remember you... it well. Yeah. <laughs> See how we say that same time? <laughs> um, and, and then, you know, um, called upon her again for Gorilla Girl, and uh, she came through again. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know. I think um, she's she's been a really good find for us, don't you think? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, 
you know, it's uh, nice when you can have someone direct your stuff and, uh, you know, put their own spin on it and, you know, uh, working with the students at Union and things like that has been pretty cool. So, And she's really passionate about theater. Um, that's one of the things I feel like she's a kindred spirit in a way. Um I don't know. Do you, do you pick up on that, or is she just my kid? Yeah, you know, she seems to like it a little bit. Uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, she'll she'll do. I <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> no, she's so, de- definitely enthusiastic about everything that she's been doing, and uh, has great ideas and stuff. So it'll be interesting to get her thoughts on some of the things that we have questions about. Right. So so we wanted, you know, she's going to be our kindred spirit and all that. We we wanted to find out a little bit more about her. So today we have with us Christy Connolly and we want to welcome you, Christy, to Backstory Sessions again. And we are looking forward to spending this whole episode speaking with you. Yay, y'all are making me blush. <laughs> <laughs> now, if we only... Video, so everybody can see that moment, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thanks so much. I'm excited to be here and, yeah, talk about all the fun stuff I'm doing. Well, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is I remember you saying that you've been involved in theater, that your mom, I think it was, um, got you involved in theater from an early age. So, uh, what do you remember, like, um, when you started as a child in theater? And, um, you know, what did you think of it then? Was it mesmerizing or terrifying or? Both? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely both. Um, I was, gosh, I think I was five, five or six. I was in kindergarten. And, yeah, yeah my mom has done, she's been like the, uh, manager of the local Shoals Community Theater. She's done so many productions from acting, designing, directing, I mean, all of it. So she got me involved at that early age. And I auditioned for Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> and I still remember reading for the Dormouse. And <laughs> I was like, you know, had the paper in front of my face and I was so nervous, but I did it. And I was cast as the two of hearts, the little card. So (laughs) I still remember this really vividly. Um, I was like the tiniest card and, you know, they would just, uh, we had a scene where we had to run around and play hide and seek or something like that. And, you know, the older kids were probably, what, like eight or nine? Right. (laughs) Would take care of me and, you know, I'd follow them around and it was just so fun. So that was my first experience. (laughs) And I was just, I loved the, you know, I looked up to the the girl that played Alice and the Duchess, um, the Mad Hatter, you know, I just thought they were the coolest people. So I continued, you know, auditioning for things. Um, I'm from Florence, Alabama, which is right next to Tuscumbia, Alabama, which is where Helen Keller was born. So her birthplace museum um is there and then there's an outdoor theater that does a production of the miracle worker every summer great and my mom took me to that audition because she had been in it many times 
And my dad even did lights for it at one point. <laughs> so it's just definitely entrenched in my family. But I was cast as, again, the littlest blind child at Perkins Institute for the Blind. <laughs> had, you know, one little scene, had a few lines. And that was really fun. That was probably my first, you know, like, um, regional theater, professional theater experience. And since then, I've played a couple more blind children. I played Helen Keller for three semesters, three semesters, three summers. I'm in school mode. Three summers. I uh, played Ann Sullivan one summer, the teacher. And then I played Kate last summer during COVID, which was fascinating. But anyway, so yeah, that's <laughs> the legacy um, that's kind of continued. Well, I mean, that's fascinating. Um, and I would think Alice in Wonderland would be a great um, first experience or introduction to theater. I can imagine how fun that must be as a child to, you know, um, see all the costumes. and Yes. And then my sophomore year of high school, I played Alice. Oh, oh like I... circle. I know. It was so cool. Wow. So that was fun. So uh, do, you, do you find that that magical feeling of theater still is with you? Like you, you never grow out of that as you grow up even? Yeah, absolutely. I'm just more in tune with all of the um, difficulties <laughs> of the production <laughs> side. You know, it's um, it's very much left brain and right brain. A lot of the times I think people think, oh, you're just stuck on stage pretending. And, you know, there's a whole lot more skill that goes into it a lot more. Um, that just really, you got to grind, you know, that part, I think people don't understand the amount of work that goes into it. So that's definitely something that I've that's shifted. But, oh, yeah, I mean, that's why I wanted to be a professor of theater so I can continue doing research. I can continue. Um, you know, inspiring students because I believe so much in the power of theater and the, yeah, the magic of theater that it can really, really inspire and and transform. So, yeah. So when you played the role of Helen Keller and then you also played the role of the teacher, um, what are your perspectives on on those two roles? Because um, that's it's quite interesting to get to see it from both perspectives. Yeah, and then playing Kate Keller last summer, the the mother. Um, yeah, all of them are really very similar. Um, when you look at the play, I never thought about it till last summer. It's kind of it's very like it's got a bunch of strong women in it, and so you know each of those each of those women really has a similar strength and courage within them. So it was really interesting to see that similarity. Just, I mean, I don't know if, if you're familiar with the movie or, or the play itself. It's extremely physical. So going from playing Helen, where it was like, you know, a lot of combat, a lot of fighting, to then having to be Anne, who is like trying to subdue the fighting. I was like, oh, man, now I know how my Anne Sullivan's felt, that it is just... Uh, it's really rough. I think the scene that I remember most that sticks out from that play is like when the scene where she's going to fold her napkin. Yes. 
And That's the one. <laughs> I, I I would love to have seen you um, in that particular part of the play. Um, you know, it is a good play, and it is definitely a good play for the roles of women. I think, as you pointed out. Uh, so, how did you end up at Union? Had you been to Kentucky? Do you have any ties to here before, or? No, I got really lucky. No, you know, I was lucky in a way, but also I worked my ass off. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. I worked really, really hard <laughs> in order to uh, in order to get a job. So I um, I didn't know anybody here. I, you know, I I guess I went. I've been to Harlan, Kentucky. I think it was. All right. I, on an alternative spring break when I was at Birmingham Southern College. And we uh, stayed at a hostel and learned about Appalachian culture. And it was focusing on like the strip mining and just the, the problematic effects of that on communities. So that was the only time I'd been to, to Kentucky. But, you know, I put that in my cover letter and talked about my like theater for social change and that type of thing um and uh that's that's what they said really stuck out to them and why they gave me an interview but um that's yeah I had no ties here so it was it's really hard to just apply you know and hope for the best so I was really lucky to, to well get that. justified is in Harlan was filmed there Sarah there's I don't know if you've watched that series, but anyways, uh, mm-hmm. that's a good connection to uh, the arts. And Harlan actually is a, you know, very interesting place, as I'm sure you you got to see in your time there. A lot of talent there and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of history and uh, interesting. So um, the social justice, uh, I know that's, something that's very important to you Uh, has that been a part of your life have you always had a passion um, for social justice issues even outside of theater yeah so my dad is the district attorney um, in my hometown Lauderdale County so and before that he was a defense lawyer so I've kind of grown up around you know, the legal system and the issues around that. So, I mean, I remember like in fourth grade watching things about Alabama history and just being like, wow, there's some really messed up things going on here, like with slavery and and racism and everything. So I guess from, yeah, from fourth grade, I've always kind of been like, "Mm, what is going on? you know, this is something's off, like, uh, and then that continued to develop, especially seeing my dad prosecute uh, people for murder, sexual assault, and I think that sense of justice really comes from him and his desire to to help victims of crime, um, and he's really involved in drug court and allowing people to, you know, have addiction recovery. My family, the Connolly family, it's very justice oriented. One of my aunts worked for Rape Response. She was the well, she was the executive director there. And then one of my cousins, he lives in Chicago, and he's very involved in um, 
suicide prevention. So, yeah, that's been a, it's definitely been a thing for me. Um, so have you incorporated that into like To Kill a Mockingbird and, you know, plays or, well, novels that have been turned into plays? Uh, but there there are many um, that uh, address social justice issues. So did you find a connection there with that type of theater? Yeah, I mean, even with the miracle worker that I was talking about, you know, we would have um, groups of people who were blind or deaf who would come see the plays, come listen to the plays, the blind bikers. They came, and so I was aware of, like, you know, I guess disability awareness through Helen Keller's story. Sure. And this idea that, you know, just because she was blind, deaf, and mute doesn't mean she couldn't do things and, and be a powerful human being. So, oh, yeah, To Kill a Mockingbird, this is funny. I, w- I was probably seven years old. I was one of the townspeople in the courtroom scene <laughs> with my little dress on. So, um uh, that uh yeah so i remember watching that play and which atticus yeah you know not i guess totally grasping it yet but there's definitely that component so um with your dad and then the character of atticus um Mm -hmm. did he did you ever i'm sure there must have been some cases where you know, he fought the good fight for justice, but justice didn't prevail. Kind of yeah. like a walking bird. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. I I remember going to see a sexual assault case. Um, and, you know, he's always said those are so difficult to win. Um, I think there's a lot of systemic issues wrapped up in why that is. But, yeah, that he, you know, he's like... My job is to serve the the victims as well as I can, but it's devastating for him, you know. Whenever he he doesn't yeah. get justice, and so it's it's a very emotional thing. And I'm seeing that with like the classes I'm teaching on social justice, they get very intense. So, um, yeah, yeah. So I I mean I'm so anxious to hear about that because um, you know, I knew Dr. Pettis and I went to many um place when she was at Union so um in a way you kind of have like a blank slate to rebuild um Mm -hmm. a program so um tell me about this social justice class and this is sort of your idea right like you you brought this class to life yeah this was actually my um my thesis project from Texas Tech. So the really, I feel like the genesis of it was um, when I was at Birmingham Southern and we had to do like a theater capstone project. And instead of performing a, a role, which is typically what you do, I was like, well, the education department goes to Ghana and teaches. And does their student teaching there and I was like what if I taught theater for my capstone and luckily the the education in the theater departments like approved that so I went to Ghana and you know did theater classes for it was like first through eighth graders out in a, a rural village and I had a great time it was like 
you know, it was great. But then coming back, I had all this like this realization of the power dynamics and the structure and like the white people coming over and disrupting the schools and just kind of the potentially negative effects of what that trip did. And was it all just for our benefit? Like, did it actually help them? And so that that tension has really persisted with me that like going into a community that's not mine, that's considered, you know, poor or marginalized, like, is that okay? How do you navigate that? How is that effective? Because I felt like when I left, I'd created these relationships with these students and it was heartbreaking to leave. Like they already are in a cycle of abandonment. Like here I am like, oh, I'm going to teach you something and then bye. <laughs> it just right. felt very like almost like emotionally violent. One of the students would not even look at me. She was just sobbing when I left, you know, it was, it was bad. So I was pretty troubled by that. And it's um, caused me to look into playback theater, which is a type of improvisational theater where the audience tells true stories and the actors recreate them um, using metaphor, using emotional expression, and um, to kind of give that gift to the audience member of affirming their experience and validating their experience. So that was something I started to study and research and go to some of these workshops and things. So when I was at Texas Tech, I was really grateful that they, you know, you you got to really focus your research however you wanted to and kind of build your classes off of that. So I ended up for my thesis going to Playback Nigeria. This was like a dream come true for me. You know, I went to Playback Nigeria, which I had researched on paper. And then I went to Playback Memphis immediately afterwards, which I had just, the founder, she did not realize how much I like thought she was a celebrity. You know, I was like, you don't understand. I've read so much about you. You're incredible. So taking that, you know, written research into practice and like making that a reality was really, really fabulous. And the reason I did that was in pursuit of creating this theater for social change class. So I was kind of researching the efficacy of me, this outsider, going into this community in Abuja, Nigeria, working at the Children's Theater Festival there. And what is the cultural difference there? What are some of the, the reactions that I got? And documented those and then went to Memphis and same thing, did some interviews with people, tried to gauge like what my presence was doing. Was it helping or hurting? Then selected a couple textbooks based off of that. I used um, Theater of the Oppressed by Augusto Boal, um, Theater of Good Intentions by Danny Snyder Young. And then I've started using When Helping Hurts by uh, Fickert and Colbert. So then I crafted this class and my mentor advisor was like, you should teach this. like." actually teach it next semester as a pilot. So I got to do that, which was fabulous. It was so awesome. So um, I taught that class at Texas Tech with a group of, uh, I think it was like nine to 11 students, which is the same amount I have here. So that's how I got to this, <laughs> got to that creation. Pro that's the process of creating that class. So it's been a lot of, a lot of, digging and work 
to get there. So how has it worked for you at Union? It has been very different than at Texas Tech. Um, there are so many different backgrounds at Union. It's so diverse here, which is something that I really love about Union. Um, but there have been very contentious conversations. You know, I mean, it's, we had class, what, Thursday, and it gets very intense. We we're talking about sexual assault and consent, and people have very different ideas of what that looks like and what that is. And so sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, is this class itself even helping or hurting? But, you know, we all kind of understand that it's not all just rainbows and roses. Social change is really hard. And I think a lot of times it goes back to that thing of, oh, you're doing such great work, social justice, social change, oh, how good of you. And it's like, I'm sorry, this work is, is very uncomfortable. Like, there's this idea that, oh, you know, this community outreach, which is great, but if you're doing it, in my opinion, correctly and like authentically, it is going to be really rough. And what I appreciate about the students here is, you know, they're driving the class and they're taking it there. And that was not the case when I taught it at Texas Tech. I mean, it was just a totally different experience. So especially with the climate right now, I mean, there's a lot of tension in the nation, you know, about about these issues. Sure. So the, the very first thing they did was they brought in a photo of a social cause that affects them, meaning it doesn't necessarily have to be their part of it, but it moves them in some way. And so then we talked about each of those social issues and then approached um, how we can um, use theater as a tool to create conversations. And those conversations have been very uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I've, been I've been really impressed with the bravery of the students. So, so do you find their, their views, their opinions are culturally shaped or? Yes. Um, I do a prompt at the end of class. I now know I still wonder, um, especially when things get really heated. And the majority of the I now know responses, something that they've learned from the discussion is that, yeah, culture shapes perception. People's opinions, you know, they're, they're also different based on your lived experience and based on the social codes from your specific community. And I think just understanding that or recognizing that is huge. It's still uncomfortable, you know? Um, but yeah, they're definitely culturally shaped, I would say. Well, I, I always think just that realization, the students uh, being able to realize that would be, you know, a, a big check mark for, yes, the class is doing, you know, more help than harm, um, because that's, that's an important realization, I think. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times their question is, I still wonder, what can I do? You know, so they're really have we, we talk about this continuum of receptivity to change and it goes from like there is no problem to there is a problem and I want to learn more about what I can do. And so I've seen a lot of students elevate from there's no problem to what can I do, which is really exciting for me. And I specifically chose the name theater for social change instead of cho social justice 
you know, community engagement, because change is a very loaded word. So like, what are you trying to change? Why are you trying to change it? Are you putting your beliefs on someone else? What is the, the extent to which theater can actually make a change, you know? Is anything ever going to change? <laughs> so it really starts that conversation about the complexity of of theater as a tool for for change. So, uh, like you mentioned, sexual assault and consent. Yes. Um, so, so what are some of the differing ideas about that? Yeah. So I'll tell you, we um, I was so proud of these performances. So, Theater of the Oppressed has a type of a performance called Forum Theater, where um, actors have a uh, memorized, rehearsed scene that they present to an audience, and then the audience members, whenever they see something that they're like, eh, that's not right, they can pause the scene and say, I would like to take this character's place. And they go up, take that character's place, and they rehearse or, or try a solution, you know, like, um, or they can be a bystander. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in as the friend, you know, and say, hey man, you shouldn't be doing that. So that was a way that we addressed, you know, these issues. And then some different perspectives on that came out. So um, some people would take the place of the guy who was at the party trying to get with this girl without her consent meaning that's the person that should change. Some people put in a bystander. So, you know, friends should be the people changing. Some people took the place of the girl, like you need to be the one that stands up. So that shows you a lot about their perception of the issues. Um, but in our conversations, the types of, um, the types of, yeah, disagreements are, okay, when you approach someone, you, when you approach a woman specifically with, um, hey girl you're so sexy you know like you're so fine is that like how do you know when it's too much how do you know whenever you're making someone uncomfortable so a lot of women are like that is disrespectful that makes me feel very uncomfortable like please don't approach me if I'm alone walking on the street you know and then some of the other students are like well I'm just trying to shoot my shot I'm just trying to compliment you you know and this kind of in my opinion just like misunderstanding of why women's lived experiences make certain things uncomfortable. Does that make sense? Um, it does to me, Matt. What are your thoughts on that? Um, <laughs> yeah. This, uh, you know, a <laughs> little more like, I don't know. I guess it's uh, a little bit beyond me, I guess. Um, I mean, I can understand the issue that you're talking about, but like, you know, the whole social change thing, I never really thought that much about it, to be honest with you. And I don't there really, I don't really approach anything that I write from that perspective, but you know, yeah, it's good. Uh, yeah. Good to think about though. You know, I mean, uh, maybe in the future I will take that into consideration. Yeah. I feel like if we were writing like if as we're writing a play together if we like you know um <laughs> if we could like jump in you know and be like okay now you know what what this is what i would you know insert uh, myself into this and make changes i wonder how we would work 
together um, doing that. that well, would be... I mean, I remember there's a few instances where, you know, you would write something and I would be like, no, that's not going to work <laughs> because, you know, the character would never say that or do that or whatever. So, yeah. Right. Um, and because, well, because these issues are just, you know, they're so personal, like there are students who, you know, have been sexually assaulted and there's, you know, myself included, we've all have these experiences. And then some of the, you know, criticisms of that are, we'll get over it because I've been assaulted and I got over it, which is, you know, an opinion. Or, you know, how do you know that you're actually assaulted or harassed? Like, what does that even mean? Because sometimes people are falsely accused of that. Right. So there's a lot of different opinions. And we talk about, you know, it's often based on your intersectionality. So your race, your gender, your socioeconomic status. I am five feet tall. My size, you know, <laughs> plays into that for sure. So, you know, what is consent? That's a big question. People have different definitions of it. Well, like in the example you gave, you know, about the, the guy approaching and how he would, you know, the things he would say. And then from the female's perspective, it might make her feel uncomfortable out on the street just to be approached like that. You know, I, I would think like hopefully that both of them could come to a realization of, you know, maybe uh, I might tone it down a little um you know but also then the female might be realizing that um you know that that's just the way that someone has experienced um approaching someone uh and and that it isn't over the top uh, from their point of view it's just the way that they have you know, witnessed it or been exposed to it. And so I, I think for both too, there's like room to, to learn. Um, yes. And what I think theater is helpful with is allowing, um, even when we were having the discussion, like a student would stand up and be, I'm going to, I'm going to reenact this. So they were using theater, you know, reenactment, even within just a discussion, which was really cool. But it, it forces you to listen in a way. I mean, active listening is a huge part of theater, right? So right. these um, these exercises that we're doing, it, it kind of strengthens that ability to listen because when we get really heated about things, you know, it's, it's hard to take that step back and, um, and really listen to that, so. Well, you know, I love that type of theater. I, I love that yes. type of theater. That's um, definitely a lot of me. Uh, Matt, on the other hand, um, you know, the writings that we've done together are more, would you say, more lighthearted? <laughs> I would I say, guess. yeah. Um, I try and base characters on, you know, situations or people that, you know, I'm familiar with. And uh, mm -hmm. um, so I would, I would say that they're more lighthearted because, uh, you know, I try and make them interesting or, you know, the characters interesting in, in some way to, uh, you know, not that they're necessarily flawed or whatever, but all that stuff seems to come out during the writing process. So. Mm -hmm. Well, 
one of the first things we talk about in that class is, you know, what is the goal of, of theater itself? So there's so many different uh, potential goals and applied theater, which is like theater for education, theater for social justice, anything that's not necessarily traditional mainstream theater could be considered applied theater where it has a specific goal in mind, usually um, in pursuit of improving or transforming or, you know, um, changing or uh, nice. elevating elevated unheard voices that type of that type of thing um is under the umbrella of applied theater and so it does tend to focus on educating disrupting the status quo sometimes the goal is to make people uncomfortable and to think kind of um, like our podcast <laughs> <laughs> an applied theater podcast whereas you know it there's to entertain, to uplift, <laughs> you know, those are some goals. Yeah. Uh, it's just, theater can do all of those. Which is amazing to me, uh, and why I still love it, I think. So, um, in a virtual world, <laughs> since the pandemic, how has that changed the way that you navigate this magical theater? <laughs> Well, I knew that um, when this uh, shift happened and we had to be virtual, that I wanted to lean into the virtual space instead of trying to, I guess, like, what is it, put a square peg into a round hole <laughs> by just <laughs> continuing to do like a, a traditional play, but force it into a Zoom setting or virtual setting. So I started looking for pieces that were specifically written to be performed virtually. And luckily we had, um, I have some friends from Texas Tech, actually. That's another thing. The theater world is so small and everybody's usually totally down to, you know, collaborate and everything. So um, I actually used one of his scenes in um, final scenes for my, my acting class which was like quickly moved online right after I had assigned their final scenes, which were all going to be in person. <laughs> I was like, Hey, you write uh, scenes that are online. Can I use this? And he came and watched the final performance because he's in Texas, but he could still zoom in. Aww. And I know it was really cool. And I was like, Hey, so could you like make this a whole play? <laughs> could you like expand this? And he was like, oh, my gosh, yeah. And I was like, the union can produce it. You know, this is exactly the type of thing that I'm looking for. So that created Time Zones Part, which is the show that we did. Um, and I watched it, and I loved it. It was great. Yeah, it was, gosh. You know how many company members were in that, Pat? It was like 22. There were so many people in that show. Wow. I knew but there I were mean, others, but it was great. Yeah, it was. So the documentary for that, Exit Screen Left, Theater Through a Pandemic, is on YouTube Live next Friday. And it <laughs> it made me cry. It made me laugh. Like, I got to preview it, you know, before they, uh, before we put it out there. But it really does a great job of chronicling Union Theater, actually but also the challenges of the pandemic and the different perspectives the students had on it. Some of them thought it was really cool. Some of them hated it. 
you know, and there were just weird things that I never thought I would do in theater. Um, one of the guys was in the freshman dorms and the football players were super loud all the time. His Wi-Fi was messy. So we had to set up a place in the academic center here on campus uh, for him to perform. We had our crew in a room right next to him. It was like we had these little sets, just like, it's kind of like how we did for um, Return to Me. Mm. We had little sets everywhere, just like in the academic center, just a little background set up. It was funny. And then one of the characters had to be in a car and she's from Brazil, so she doesn't have a car locally. So every time before the show, I would have to drive my car over to her apartment, <laughs> leave it there, give her my key, and then walk back to my house, which was so like, wow, I never thought I would do that, you know? And then it it's just like, the cool behind the scene things, you know, that you're hearing on the podcast. So, um, all right, so this is next Friday on YouTube, you said? Yes. Okay. Next Saturday. And it, if you follow Union College Theater on Facebook, um, it's the information's on that page. All right. So, Matt, we need to put that in our um, podcast. Yeah. Uh, you'll have to put that. You'll have to put that on the Facebook page because this episode is actually not going to air until Sunday. Yes. So. Mm. But we'll make sure that we include that so that people can yeah. and watch that. I see it myself. It's how exciting. In a way, it sounds like um, like The Office. I don't know if you ever watched that show. I don't know if anybody watched yes. that. But you know how, like, in the final, like, they spend all that time, you know, and then they get to see, like. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what it reminds me of. So, And I love that. So um, I know I'll love this as well. How cool to have that captured. Um, I know. And I'd, so that you you can just relive all of that. And, and especially in this historic time of, uh, you know, I mean, I, I would think in our lifetime, it's probably the biggest change um, yeah. that's happened. Uh, yeah. I can't think of anything that's changed the world more since oh I've I've. Uh, yeah, I, you know, of it, but not the whole world. <laughs> right, right. So maybe yeah. like World War Two or something like that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that, that yeah. probably had a little bit of impact. <laughs> 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 but I wasn't alive for that. Show. Right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. True. I'm just gonna <laughs> gonna <clears throat> stick with that. I'm not that old. <laughs> the invention of fire. Nor are you. Um, <laughs> Some days I feel like it, though. As yeah. do I. As do I. <laughs> um, so, you, you've accomplished a lot of things. Um, what's next? What, what do you have plans still to do? Yeah, so we are working on Neurochemicals, a virtual therapy play, is our um, production in April. April 15th through 18th online again because, yep, COVID. So it, it only has three actors. Can you believe? Can you imagine why? <laughs> <laughs> Take it down to three actors. 
yeah, three characters. Um, and it's an, another new play. Awesome. Again, the genesis is from um, a directing class. A student brought in a scene from it was it was a ten minute play. She brought in a scene that and she directed that for her final, and it was so impactful. Like the whole class loved it. And so I reached out to him and said, "Hey, can you make this a play?" <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah." So it's much shorter too. It's about forty-five minutes, which I think is helpful for the attention span. Sure. You know. So oh, one thing I noticed is that um, you were having like real um, therapy, like psychologist or um, therapist. And that you were reaching out to try to get some of those to talk yes. to students. So how did how did that work? Yeah. So we actually on Sunday have tomorrow we have um, a therapist coming in to chat with us. I sent her a list of topics that have come up in rehearsals and sent her the script. We had a biology professor come in yesterday and talk about what neurochemicals actually are, which was really interesting. And what, and are- what- like give us just an idea they're like the neurotransmitters so like if you think about when you take a certain medication so like an ssri a serotonin something something (laughs) there's a lot of language reuptake inhibitor so it's those like uh transmitters that are that are interacting um and so we're especially talking about how medication can uh affect those and how that affects your brain it was super interesting and I was like wow I almost majored in biology and this is way over my head but it was very fascinating and I'm really grateful for uh her coming in and and kind of sharing the biology behind it then we've got a psychology professor who I think is going to come in later this week to chat about um the stages of grief which will be really helpful for one of our actors who's experiencing a big loss in the play itself. Um, But, and and also like virtual therapy, like what is it like to, you know, counsel someone uh, with the divide of the screen? That's really interesting to me. Yeah, so you're not like, lay down on the couch or, you know. Right. I've seen, um, yeah. Well, I'm, that's, I think that's fascinating that you're getting like the real world to um to come in and, and talk about these challenges that yeah. could help the actors I think to have a better understanding of, of their characters yeah and I mean actually going back full circle to my dad like being a, a lawyer and he would always be researching these random things like termites because he had a, a case of like a termite infestation <laughs> crazy like a lawsuit about that and he was just studying these random things and I was like oh that's really cool because you just you just get to learn about you know seemingly tangential things to your uh, field and so theater is like that too because if there's a topic that you know a character is dealing with like you said it's only going to serve you to have have experts come in and and share their expertise with you so we had a all the world's a stage acting in nursing and law panel uh, came to my intro to acting class because there were pre-law and pre-nursing majors in there. 
And so that was really cool. They talked about the connection, um, how they use acting in their jobs. So I'm really into that kind of thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I, I've said before, I would love to be a student in your class because um, bringing in those, the community ties and connections uh, involving the community. Um, I don't know. I, to me, it's just, um, you just have some fascinating ideas and I would love to be a student experiencing all that. I think it's, it's incredible. Um, Come on in. I, yeah, I'm not too old. <laughs> I was not in World War II, so uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm still eligible to come to class. Awesome. So yeah. I appreciate that, Matt. What What do you have to ask about today? Uh, so I mean, I know you're doing a whole lot of different things, um, and like, I guess my I guess my biggest question is like, what like like what draws you to certain plays over other things is it like based on like what you're teaching at the time or i mean do you just like see a play or hear hear about a play and read a script or something and say oh wow i really want to do that or whatever i mean it's mostly like uh i guess it's most, yeah. mostly related to what you're working on or what you're teaching at the time a little bit. I mean, being in educational theater, I always have to think about um, the community, like the audience here, mm -hmm. um, the students that I have, you know, the casting, just kind of the nuts and bolts of it. Um, the theater space we have, yeah. we have the resources to produce this, like that's very much a part of that decision. But then as far as material, yeah, I... Um, I'm, apparently there's a theme here where my students bring in a scene and I'm yeah. like, yes. <laughs> no, but oh. actually a lot of... <laughs> it's very student driven. Uh, I, I actually do that though to, for some buy-in because Kat, as you were saying, I like just am building this from scratch since, um, since Mama P left. And right. there was about a decade of, you know, part-time professors. So I've really tried to give the students ownership. So I do have them like research plays and bring them in and we do a play reading night mm -hmm. and um, get their, you know, just gauge their expressions, figure out what they're really interested in. So I really do put a lot of it on them because they're really excited that they get to have a say in that. But okay. of course I do lean towards things like this therapy play that are interdisciplinary that I can connect with other um, departments on campus, right? Things that um, are about some kind of social cause or social issue that can create conversations because this is going to create conversations about mental health. Yeah, and right. that's you know we want to have a, a panel afterwards for people to stick around, have an audience survey where it's like, have you ever been to a therapist? That you know that kind of engagement with audience. So that's really important to me when I pick content. Um, so, so yeah. in a perfect world where you have, you know, an unlimited budget and unlimited resources and things like that, what play would you really, really, really want to do? Okay, so I am really into devised theater, which is basically where you have a prompt and then the ensemble creates the show. Okay. 
And so if we had a prompt, I mean, it could literally be a photograph. It could be a word, a phrase, and then just have full reign to build whatever we want, bring in anything. That's what I would want to do, actually. That would be pretty interesting. (laughs) I'm all, yeah, I'm very interested in, like, uh, original pieces and new plays. So sort of like like the Bake Off thing when, uh, you know, are, are you familiar with that, where they give you, like, five things that you have to incorporate into a 10 Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and they're sort of yeah. off, off the wall things. And if we had an unlimited budget, I would definitely want to tour it and, uh, sure. you know, oh, let's research this thing over in uh, Fiji. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 <Think> about it. <laughs> Fiji water is good, I hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Do you see um, any outreach uh, happening with uh, high schools or, you know, in the future? Um, yes. Um, yeah, talked about I've got so much on my plate. We are currently working on, um, I guess this would be more for elementary schools, but it's a children's theater piece about the Fat Man Appalachian folktale. So um, Linda Oxendine, she came in and trained us on the, on the performance. And so basically you bring it into schools and have the students help act it out. And since it's a pandemic, what I'm trying to do is we've got students learning it and have a recording of it sent to local schools with a lesson plan attached so that, you know, teachers can take a break, <laughs> play this performance. It's very interactive. It'll have things like, you know, here comes the monkey, everybody go, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> stuff like that to engage the students. It'll be much more fun in person, but that's, I kind of want to have that as like on deck where people could um, like reserve it anytime or like, you know, we've always got students who could play any of those roles and give them a little stipend to go perform because that's how professional theater would work. Like you kind of got this stock performance ready and then, oh, we got a gig. You know, who's available at this time? You get $50 a show or something like that. So that's something I'm working on, which I think would, you know, both benefit the actors and the community. But, I mean, for high schools, even just, I just want us to do a show exchange where we go see their shows. They come see ours. We do some acting workshops with them, that type of thing. I would love for that to happen. Um, Yeah. That, that would be really beneficial, I think, for... <sighs> it was supposed to happen before COVID. I literally have a community engagement director on my scholarship team, and we had all this momentum going, and then it was like... <laughs> so we're going to have to pick that back up when we can. I would make one uh, like thought in, in working with the schools is is like, don't forget Lane Camp High School. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, they are part of this Knox County, even though they're, like, close to Corbin. Right. Um, and there's just such an exceptional group of teachers and talent there as well. And um, I would just love to see them involved uh, when you get to open back up and, you know, reach out to working with the high schools. Yeah, they were, 
They were definitely on our list originally when we were reaching out. So that's wonderful. You know, they do a musical. I I went there and saw The Greatest Showman. Um, They did that. Yeah, I I loved it. um, Yeah, they're actually actually working on uh, doing one of our plays before COVID hit. (laughs) Wow. It was so funny because we had announced on the podcast that we were going to go there and do a remote podcast and interview the cast members and you know then uh, everything shut down just like yeah before we could even uh, do the podcast so yeah it kind of stunk really wild how it you know and um so we did have an episode where we had the um you know some of the actors uh, we talked to them, and they had, uh, to like everybody else, thought, you know, this is just going to be for a couple of weeks, and, you know, yeah. life's going to go back. <laughs> um, here we are a year later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. We were, we were <laughs> All too well, right, Chrissy? <laughs> yeah, we were heading into Tech Week, and I remember the, the lead of the show was like, so are we, gonna, are we postponing? I was like, yeah, we're definitely going to do it. We're definitely going to do it two weeks, two weeks from now. <laughs> <laughs> so sad. So sad. Yeah. Oh. So, what do you see when the when the world does open back up for theater? Uh, it's going to seem really strange again because we've been yeah. virtual so long. But do you think um, do you think any of the virtual theater world is going to hang on and be embraced to continue? Yeah, I think one of the the best things that's come out of that, in my opinion, is access, audience access. So, like, I I want to live stream our shows for parents who can't, you know, make the journey down here. Right. Um, you know, I think that's important because that was so fun seeing on the chat last semester, like, where people were streaming in from. Especially since we have such a big international student population. People sure. were able to zoom in or to... Uh, to watch it, you know, from Brazil and Ireland. <laughs> it's just super cool. So I definitely think that will continue. Um, I don't know, but there's, you know, just live theater. We are itching to get back. With the, um, just that live aspect of it. Not, not just live, because it's a live stream, but in person laughing next to somebody else laughing it's like i'm teaching in-person classes and a lot of students it's their only in-person class it's just you can just communicate and respond so much better when you're in the same physical space yeah yeah because you know typing your comment in the chat box is not quite the yeah. same. <laughs> Better than not having it, but it's not the same as being, you know, experiencing that moment with everyone. Yes. And laughing and crying or, you know, whatever you're doing. Gasping. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because the audience is almost like another character, you know? I mean, yes, it is that part of that that you kind of miss out on so i will be there in person to watch your performances when you have them and i certainly am enjoying them online as well and uh as am i i'm 
<laughs> that we had you today on the show. And yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, Christy, if people want to reach out to you and uh, talk to you, do you have a good way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, I would say email cconnolly at unionky.edu. That would be C-C-O-N-N-O-L-L-Y at unionky.edu. Okay, cool. And uh, let's see. So I guess we will. Kat, do you have anything else? No. Just, uh, you know, it's been great getting to talk with you. And uh, I'm glad that you're in the community and um, that you're that you're at the union doing great things. So we really appreciate that. Thanks so much for having me, y'all. I feel like it's still so cool. Oh, my gosh. On a podcast. <laughs> It's so crazy because, like you were saying, kindred spirits. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm in, like, this tiny little town. And then it's so awesome to find people who, you know, are resonating with theater and arts They're in a similar way. Us. <laughs> so, yeah, it's awesome. Well, we are here to uh, help you promote anything that you'd like. Um, we will support anything that you most anything you want to do i won't say everything because you never know <laughs> but uh you know if, if there's something that we can help you with we'd certainly you know we'd certainly try our best to do that uh, yes, and we and me i just want to thank you for being here um you know it's always interesting to hear your thoughts and and you got so many ideas and you know it's really cool the things that you're doing so uh thanks you know i wish you luck in all the things that you're doing now and I, in the future I, is that you thanks as do i yeah. oh <laughs> okay so uh with that we are going to end this episode and as always if you have any questions concerns or comments and especially criticisms you can send those to cat at I write please at outlook.com and if you want to tell me how much you love this episode and uh, you know any of us personally <laughs> you can write to me at uh, backstory sessions at gmail.com or uh, you can write also write to me at Matt at level 11 ventures.com and we will yes for the World War Two people. That yes, are yeah. <laughs> for all the veterans out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, with that, well, um, yeah, we will uh, see you next time. Thanks again, Christy. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.